In today's show, we're breaking down the action from Thursday in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Seven games on a Thursday here in the NBA, but... I am not going to be recapping the sixth game. Um, we've got there's a there's a there's a footy match that I'm going to this afternoon, Good Friday game uh, here in Australia, and I'm also getting ready to uh, to head interstate as well. So I just won't be won't be got to take my son out this afternoon. You know, maximizing our family contact during uh, during public holidays, especially. So I'm going to go do that, and then uh, then off uh, to Sydney for a few days as well. Straight after that, so yeah. We just won't be recapping the last game, which is, it's a good game. The Denver Nuggets and the LA Clippers. And uh, I will write that up on Basketball Monster, though. So if you are a member there, you can see my thoughts on that game. But let's get into the games that I am going to talk about. First one of those, a blowout. The Sixers beat the Cavs comfortably, 114-94. Every Cavs game at the moment feels like a blowout. Dwight Howard off the bench, 26 minutes, 18-15 and 15 with one steal and two blocks. But... Joel Embiid is likely back next game, so Howard's production and his usability in 12-team leagues is going to fall off. And this is a big one from Shake Milton as well. Twenty-seven points with five threes. Now came on seventy-one percent shooting on twenty-four percent usage. He was excellent in this game. The bench unit was fantastic, but usage minutes—they're not going to be this high when Embiid's there. And then George Hill's also going to come and cut into some of that playing time. Strong game all around for a lot of these Sixers guys. Seth Curry had nineteen points with four threes and two steals, but he's more of a fringe player. Danny Green did his thing: three threes, three steals, one block. He's been so good without Embiid, but a lot of his stats aren't necessarily Embiid dependent. So I think he's at least a guy to consider holding. And amazingly, the 21st-ranked player, Danny Green, over the last two weeks. Toby Harris had some pretty extreme foul trouble early on, and this game was a pretty extreme blowout. So he played just 15 minutes, the Thick Hogsman. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. So don't get too down about it. 12 points, one rebound, three assists. And Ben Simmons, I'd get down about this, 18%. He is so far off his game, it's not funny. Five points, 13 rebounds, five assists, and one steal. I'd be buying low on Ben Simmons. You can buy extraordinarily low. He's the 175th-ranked player over the last two weeks. I'm not dropping him, but buy him as low as you can. He's not this bad. right? We have seen three-plus years of him playing. He's not this bad. Um, this is just a very, very down stretch. While Prison Mike Scott started, had two points in his 20 minutes, and yeah, I'd say his minutes in the rotation are in pretty deep jeopardy. Tyrese Maxey had six points in 22 minutes, but another guy who's probably going to be out of the rotation pretty soon. Let's talk Cleveland. Let's talk Kevin Love, who had eight points in three minutes and then five points for the rest of the game. He played 20 minutes, which was more than I expected. He played nine minutes in the first quarter and then again, 11 minutes through the next three quarters. So started out on fire. Oh man, Kevin Love, he's back, he's back. And then we got really nothing after that. 
But 13 points, three threes is a really nice start. There was no Larry Nance. There was no Jarrett Allen. I don't trust Love in back-to-backs. I don't trust Love's minutes, and I don't trust him not to get hurt. If you want to add Kevin Love, by all means. Like, you can go and do it. I wouldn't be rushing to do it. This was a super hot start and cooled off considerably. But there are some factors that need to be paid attention to here. I thought Isaiah Hartenstein did well in his minutes. 12-7 and in 20 minutes with two blocks, but with Love back, if you're playing Dean Wade 38 minutes and Hartenstein 20... Yeah, there's a worry. Now, I guess some of that is attributed to Hartenstein getting five fouls, but he still didn't start. So he is behind Wade in that pecking order. Now, as for Wadey, he was good. 16 points, eight rebounds, three triples. But again, all of this stuff needs to be viewed through the prism of no Nance and no Allen. Now, as for Wade, he's a 120th ranked player over the last two weeks. So that's really bloody good. He can be a stream guy while these guys are out. But really, that's that's about it, I would say. Um, but he, look, again, just when these opportunities... Opportunities come up. Um, it is it is interesting to be able to stream stream those guys through, but you know, in reality, when we're looking at sort of long term value, it is hard to get you know, overly excited about them just because of their sort of bit part fill in type um, production. Um, let's talk the Padawan Colin Sexton. Is there a more Colin Sexton line in the world? 24-3-3. At least he had two steals and was 9-9 of nine from the line. So pretty good overall, but minus 22, which are team worst. And Darius Garland was was poor here. I guess he did save his line a little bit with eight assists, but six points in 33 minutes is rough with four rebounds and no threes. I still maintain he's a 12-team league guy. Understanding if your points league has a different format, you may not be as enthused. He had 19 fantasy points here. In a category league, I am holding him. Just a 30-plus minute point guard who scores and gets assists and hits some threes. It's pretty valuable. You just can't find that shit on the waiver wire. And shout out to Dally. Matty Dellavedova played his first game for the season. He had five assists in 16 minutes. He's going to do absolutely nothing else. He'll probably shoot 20% for the season. But the dude can rack up assists. So if you're in a Sunday matchup, you need, man, I need four assists. The Cavs are playing. Don't be afraid to stream Dally in. Five assists in 16 minutes is great, and it's not abnormal for him. He showed last year even that in, in limited minutes, he can rack up some pretty good assist numbers. Okoro had nine and five in his 28 minutes here as well. Have you guys heard about Sport Trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's amazing. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, it's a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And you can make money with Sport Trade. It's simple. As players' values rise and fall based on two factors, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game, the more points scored, the higher their value goes. And with good old supply and demand, the more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. Instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Sign up today at sporttrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the game at sporttrade.com. If you're looking to buy a part for your car, why would you go to your local chain auto store? The bloke behind the counter, he's got grease stains on his face. He's typing in the computer one finger at a time. Going, mate, sorry, it's going to be uh, three, four weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. But I'll call you tomorrow. I'll call you on a weekend. And you go, damn it, mate, I need the part now. And why the bloody hell are you charging me so much? If I wanted a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for my 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey... Why are you charging me $354? 
I can get it at rockauto.com for $216.79. That is a very oddly specific example, but there you go, man in the chain auto store. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And the catalog's unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all, those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselves. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there, how did you hear about us, box, so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Next game. Next game. It is another blowout and ass-kicking. The Pistons beat the Wizards 120-91. to Jerome Robinson started, scoreless in nine minutes. This guy is just not an NBA caliber player. Stop starting him, Scott Brooks. I know you don't have many options, but stop starting him. Garrison Matthews started the second half uh, with Brad Beal out, and then Rui Hachimura. Man, Rui, how many times have I said this about Hachimura? He's playing well, but the shots are going in at a rate that's probably not sustainable, and when they don't go in, what is he going to do? The answer is sweet FA. 10-2-2 in 30 minutes with 42% shooting. I think you still can hold him while Beal is out, but this is the problem with Hachimura from a fantasy perspective. Westbrook, um, could he have shit on your free throws anymore? One of six. That's horrendous. 44% from the field, but of course he had a triple-double, which is great when you lose by 29. Well, Robin Lopez had three blocks and 16 points in his 27 minutes as he's getting the bulk of those minutes over Alex Len. I think they're both just 12-team streamers rather than guys you want to roster. Chandler Hutchison getting those 21 minutes again, but it looks like that first game was anomalous. Five points in 21 there, while it was a double-double for uh, Denny Avdia. 11 and 10 in those 34 minutes. Still a long way from being a 12-team league player. But um, yeah, not not completely uh, not completely out of the realms of possibility that at some point this season he might have some streaming value. We're not there yet though. For the Pistons, um, okay. So look, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know anything. Josh Jackson was out of the rotation. The next game he started, he went scoreless and he was atrocious. So your mate Dwayne Casey said that's probably all I needed to see to start him again. And then he went out and scored thirty-one points in twenty-nine minutes on sixty-two percent shooting. So who the hell knows? Do I add Josh Jackson? Do I trust Josh Jackson? Of course I don't. Not even remotely close. I wouldn't even trust Josh Jackson to turn up to a kid's charity function to sign autographs. 31 points with four triples for Joshy in this one. Great. That's fantastic. But yeah, look, it's just not real. The Duke Wayne Allington, 11 points in 19 minutes, while Dennis Smith Jr. was available to play, and then your mate, Dwayne Casey, decided not to play him. Now, I believe this happened the first time that he came across and he was dealing with an injury, that he was available, then didn't play, and then he started the next one. So I'm not working myself up just yet. I'd like to see, and I think from all the words that Casey has said about Smith and the way the Pistons have viewed him, is they're pretty excited about what he's bringing. So if I did add him, I would hold one more game. If he gets DNP'd next game, then piss him off. But Saban Lee is not the future, I don't think. Lee had eight and seven, which is fine. He's not a 12-team league guy. Well, Jeremy Grant, holy shit. Maybe I was right. Maybe he wasn't good enough to be given a max contract and be in charge of a team. 12 points on 29% shooting. He is falling off pretty rapidly. He was top 30 to begin the year. He's down to 61st, and he's 143rd over the last two weeks, as the realities of not being as good as that early season form would have led you to believe get caught up to. All right, so let's talk about Corey Joseph, one of the worst players in the NBA who for some reason now in Detroit is playing at a super high level. 25 minutes for Joseph, 10 points, 7 assists, 4 steals and a block. That line cannot be denied. Am I excited to go and add Corey Joseph? No, of course not. But with that level of production, I'm at least interested. 
I happily stream him in. He's available everywhere. I don't believe that four four steals and this is a guy that has so had so many starting opportunities and he comes out with like you know eight four and two as a starting point guy and you go what was the bloody point? So he is going through a really hot streak at the moment. And also remember Diallo and Smith didn't play in this game and I think they will be big, be big parts of the rotation. So that's good from Joseph. Stream him. I wouldn't say that he is necessarily a high priority ad. The depressed penis Sadiq Bay was thoroughly average, 11 and 4 in 26 minutes. Sure, hold him. Upside's low, but hold him. While Isaiah Stewart, two blocks, is nice. Uh, fouled out in his 17 minutes. I, I think he's still probably more leaning towards... I, I thought he was a nice 12-team league guy, and I thought they'd transition to play him 26 minutes a night. It's looking less like that at the moment, and it might happen later. But if you're in a spot where you need instant production in a 12-teamer, I'd be happy to move on. I'd probably still hold him in a 14-team league. Again, I'm just tongue-tied. Uh, in a team 14-team league, four and seven in 17 minutes with two blocks on horrible shooting. But you know, if he goes instead of two of seven, four of seven, or five of seven, we're talking at 10, seven, two blocks, and it looks all right. And he doesn't foul out in 17 minutes. It can look a lot better. So I think I still hold in a 14-team league there. Frank Jackson, 21 minutes. I never need to see Frank Jackson play again. I'm sorry. He just is. He just doesn't do it for me, even remotely close to doing it for me. Next game, another blowout. The Charlotte Hornets up against the uh, up against the Brooklyn uh, Nets. 111 Brooklyn, 89 Charlotte. Miles Bridges was fine. 10 and 5, two blocks, two threes, just maintaining back end 12 team league value. Well, Devontae Graham shot horribly. What a shock there. 13 and 5 on 33%. And PJ Washington Jr., he's struggling. I think he's a massive buy low, but cannot hit shots. 8 and 8 with a steal and two blocks on 27% shooting, which is rough. And then Malik Monk, who was also plagued by horrendous shooting, 36%. This team shot 35% from the field. Monk also hurt his ankle at the end. And the way that. Uh, James Borrego spoke about it. It looks like he's going to miss some time. So while he was an interesting 12-team league ad, I think he might be a drop here. Haywood had 13-4, and four, nothing great. Rogier, who'd been one of the best shooters in the NBA, had a true shooting of 47%, 12-5-3. Just a disgraceful performance overall from the Hornets, but they packed it in pretty, pretty early. Uh, 11 minutes for Bismack, Biombo, and Cody Zeller had 6-5 and five in 21 minutes. That center position continues to be an absolutely horrible black hole. For the Nets, let's start with the... Um, Let's start with the what, what do you, what do we call it? Um, the elephant in the room, Lamarcus Aldridge. First game for the Nets and he started. He played thirty minutes. He had eleven nine and six two steals and a block and he looked pretty spry out there. He was passing well. The six assists will attest to that. The defensive numbers are nice. Am I tripping over my dick to go and pick him up? No, and I'll tell you why. No Kevin Durant returning next week. James Harden maybe back in the next day or two. No Blake Griffin who's going to de- command twenty minutes or so. And DeAndre Jordan already didn't play. So while Aldridge might continue to start and almost definitely will continue to start, I wouldn't be convinced that he maintains this level of production. If you want to add him, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. I know the name brand value is there. He could be a back-end 12-team league guy. I am very, very far from convinced. Jeff Green was better than him today. 21 and 8 rebounds, 5 triples, 2 steals. Like That's better. Kyrie had 15, 11 and 8 with 2 blocks. That's good too. The Shark, Bruce Brown, had 14 and 6 with 2 steals and a block. Um, so I think a lot we're getting caught up a lot in Aldridge's performance, which was really good, and I didn't expect him to play this much. There are a few other things that make me a little bit wary about where he goes from here. Uh, Nikki Claxton, now this is disappointing. Again, the Nets' best center played 14 minutes. Uh, yeah, when Griffin returns, I don't know. I, I think we can pretty comfortably, and I don't want to do this because I don't think he's garbage, but Jack... Get that garbage out of here! 
Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a bit worried about where these minutes trend for uh, for Nick Claxton, unfortunately. Don Ray Jordan, his minutes uh, have trended in the correct direction. Get that garbage out of here! Absolute clear drop for uh, for DeAndre, but this game was a, a pretty big blowout. Joe Harris struggled a little bit, nine points on thirty percent shooting, and uh, Tyler Johnson with Harden out had fifteen and five triples, and Landry Shamet returned seventeen with his five threes. But again, getting those minutes when Harden, Durant, Griffin all play uh, is uh, nigh on impossible. I would say, what isn't nigh on impossible is tasting the best tasting protein bar ever because Built Bar is it. You know, I've been telling you about Built Bar for a very long time. It is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. What more could you want? What more could you ask for than the best tasting protein bar in the world? That's exactly where we're at with Built Bar. And now we are talking about Built Bar because they have got Built Madness going, where you get to decide the best flavor. We are right down to the championship. So go to BuiltBar.com or go to Bar underscore Built on Twitter to cast your vote for the Built Bar Championship. Cookie, brownie, chunk versus coconut dough chunk. Big chunky, big chunkus. Uh, I'm going to take cookie dough chunk in the final, but you can go place your vote there. And remember, when you're buying these delicious bars, Locked15 to get 15% off your next order. That is Locked15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back today to see who takes out all the protein bars in the final of Built Bar Madness. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code LOCKEDON, one word. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's go on to the next game. We're looking at the Golden State Warriors and the Miami Heat here. The Heat win at 116-109. Steph was great, 36 in 36 minutes with 11 boards and five triples. Draymond was also great, 16-10-8 with four steals. And Andy Wiggins continues his absolute red-hot form. And you're going to be shocked to know this. Hold on to your dicks because he is the 21st-ranked player over the last two weeks. We go 23-8-4, one steal, three blocks, five triples. He's playing really well. 48 fantasy points. That's fantastic stuff. Unfortunately, Kelly Oubre stinks. Eight points in 35 minutes. Oubre is the 126th ranked player this year. If you're in a 10-team league, mate, I don't know what Jack has to say about it. In fact, I do. Get that garbage out of here! There's just too much inconsistency with his bullshit that he puts up. And I think that you can consider moving on from him. In a 12-teamer, it's on the border, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Tell you who else stinks. Look, he just isn't good, and he might become good. He's very young. He didn't play much college basketball, but these are the things that, and I know there's a lot to develop and a lot can change, but when I watched him and you know, looked at his high school tape and AAU stuff and stats and his college game and all that sort of stuff and the concerns that I had, and when those things just play out exactly the same in the NBA, that's where you have worries. You go, what's his defensive recognition like? What's his offensive decision-making look, looking like? Can he shoot? Can he pass? And at the moment, the answer to those questions is all no. And they're all the same questions I had. What's the point of taking this big man who's, oh, he's athletic and he can run, but can he make a decision? Can he defend? Can he do the things that are needed for winning basketball? And they were all the concerns that I had with him. And this is absolutely not to say that none of this can change because it very easily can. But 
unequivocally at this point, James Wiseman is not good. And this is, again, it is not to rule out that he can't become good, but they are committed to starting him. But they were trying to win this game. He played 20 minutes. Kavon Looney played 21 and you know, was solid enough, 4-4 four and four in those 21 minutes. But Wiseman just isn't good yet. And they are committed to developing and they think there's something there. I'm less convinced that there's what they think is there. Um, I'm less convinced about that. But at this point, what do you do in a fantasy league? If they're going to play him 20 a night, you can't hold him. I thought they'd be pushing to 26-27. I'm not convinced of that anymore. But what I do think will happen is maybe they start to fall way down. And I don't think they're falling out of the play-in discussion. But if they do, then he starts to get more minutes. Because if the game doesn't matter, then they play him more. If a game does matter, they, they, they play him less. And because, again, he's not good at this point in time, which is unfortunate for him. You know, I want everyone to be as good as possible except for shit blokes, and he's not one of those. So it is it is unfortunate at this stage for Wiseman. If you've got the luxury to hold, you do it. If you desperately need production, he's a 217th ranked player over the last two weeks since he's been starting. That's yeah, pretty atrocious. Bazemore had six points in his 18 minutes, or Jordan Poole, I think we can, uh, I think we can drop him, unfortunately. Get that garbage out! Hurt his ankle, as did Looney. Nine points in 13 minutes with three triples for Poole. Just not enough minutes with Curry back, even though he can be an interesting scoring option off the bench. Now, it was Victor Oladipo's first game for Miami. Um, He wasn't particularly good. Six points in 23 minutes. 25% shooting, just carrying on his landmark efficiency from his time in Indiana and Houston. The five assists are good. The two steals are good. My At the trade deadline, one of the things I worried about with Oladipo is with none, Hero, Robinson... Dragic, with those guys around, he doesn't have to play 34 minutes. And if he comes in, and kids, I'm probably going to swear here, so just be careful. If he comes in, and he's selfish, and he doesn't buy in, and he doesn't shoot, Spolster and Pat Riley will say, Vic, fuck off, and you're not playing. Like That's what they'll do. They'll, they'll say, you can play 24 minutes a night, but you're not playing 34. You're not getting 30 usage. Sit over there and get the fuck out of the way while the good players do things. Which is unfortunate for Oladipo because his injury has rooted him. His knee and his quad, it's its killed him. He doesn't quite understand that he's not at that level yet, and it is a real worry. And I said my fear was after the All-Star break that, given three weeks in Miami, he might be a droppable player. Not the greatest start. We're still holding him, obviously, but not the greatest start. Trevor Ariza was a little bit better. I'm pretty sure he's got that locked-in position as the starting power forward. 10 points, 2 triples, 2 blocks. Just a streamer at this stage, a 14-16 to team league guy, while Butler had 22-6-8 with 4 steals. And Tyler Hero, since the trade deadline, he's been really, really good. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. Um, And I think something we need to pay attention to is that these blokes are, are humans, right? and I need to do a better job of this myself, is that with the constant speculation, oh, the, the Heat will give up Tyler Hero for James Harden. His name's out there. No, we won't give you up. Yes, they should give him up. And constantly, constantly out there. Duncan Robinson, well, if they get Kyle Lowry, these are the guys that are going to have to go back. And imagine thinking that, that you're, uh, they get paid millions. Duncan Robinson doesn't just yet. He probably will, but he doesn't. Tyler Hero is on a rookie-scale contract as a player outside the top 10. Not a huge amount of money at this point. But to have that constantly there, hey, any time Pat Riley can come, tap you on the back and say, sorry, mate, you're going to Tampa, you're going to Houston, pack up your life and piss off, it would mess with your head a little bit. And now the trade deadline has passed, and both of those guys have been so much better. So there is a human factor in this. There is an emotional factor in this. It's really hard to quantify and to judge for fantasy. It's almost impossible, to be honest. But it is a factor. 
Hero was great. 20 points, two threes, two steals, a block. If he plays like this, he's better than Victor Oladipo. Straight up better than him. Robinson, 21 points, four triples, shot the ball well. I Holding on to him all year would have been a mistake, but he's playing well. If you want to add him, hitting threes, scoring points, he's doing well. Fine. No worries. Nemanja Bielica played uh, 17 minutes, had eight points. Yeah, that's fine. He's obviously not a 12-team league guy, so we can move on there. Well, Adebayo had 19, 8, and 6 in his 30 minutes. Unfortunately, he just shot horrendously, which is uh, not a great thing. Let's go on to the next game. Now, I've got a bit of a pep in my step at the moment because, you know, when you talk about players for years and every show and you do 400 shows a year, 300 shows a year, and then you say something and it makes you, and you feel stupid sometimes. And you go, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just misevaluated this. And I will be wrong on plenty of players at all times. But you know, when you get pretty steadfast on guys and then it doesn't work out and you go, nah, guys, believe me, it's just the situation. It's just the coach. And then he goes to a new team and he comes off the bench as the third string center. And you go, kids, again, you go, oh, fuck me. What's going on? Like, am I that wrong on Wendell Carter Jr.? But the answer is, no, I'm not, because he's really good, and he is clearly the best center on this team. He played 31 minutes. He had 21 and 12 with a block on 62% shooting, and all the Wendell Carter Jr. haters, kids, fuck you. Don't worry about it. He's good. Now, this could, this is obviously just, I'm playing into this a bit, and this could bite me on the ass when he has a bad game, but he's been unbelievably good in Orlando. He is a must-add player. And I will reassess, not reassess, I'll reiterate the things that I've said about Carter in the past. I still believe he can have a top 50 fantasy season. It won't be this year because of what's happened to begin the year. But he's, he's actually really good. Ken Birch got sick in this one, played five minutes and had to leave. He should never start another game again, Ken. It, it doesn't, Wendell Carter is, is he the future of this team? I wouldn't want to bank on John Isaac after all his knee injuries, even though Isaac is the better player. I wouldn't want to bank on Markel Fultz after his history and now an ACL injury. I wouldn't say that, that probably their draft pick is going to be the future of this team. But since Carter's arrived, they're 2-1. and one. The Bulls, coincidentally, are 0-3 in that time. Um, I don't know. I'm just allowing myself time to say, Josh, you're not stupid. Wendell Carter is actually good. So that, that's encouraging. Add him. Must Ross, and this is why, again, what I was saying, hey, he closed the games. Hey, he's still the best of these centers. Hey, he's still putting up good numbers. Just hold him. Hopefully, common sense takes over. It doesn't always, and it still may not. They might go back to the same bullshit of starting Ken Birch. But Wendell Carter's good. James Ennis, apparently also good. 13 points with four steals in 38 minutes. And Truma Akiki. Um, let's have a bit of a chat about Truma as well because you know, I spoke about him. Yeah, add him by all means. But there's a lot happening here with Truma that's a little bit unsustainable with his shooting. It did fall off somewhat. But in encouraging news, 10 boards, four assists, one, steals, one steal and two blocks, which is excellent. A must roster play. Just filling it up in those areas. Chasen Randall started, had 15 and six with three threes and three steals. A minus 12, but still had some okay numbers. Well, Terry Ross, obviously must roster. 19 points in 34 minutes, five assists, two steals, and a block. Now, let's talk about the shark, Dwayne Bacon. 14 points in his 32 minutes. This guy should not be starting. I don't know why. Look, RJ Hampton, I think, continues to look good. Plus 13 in his minutes. Otto Porter, 21 minutes, six and three with three steals. Now, I get that Ennis played over him because Ennis was playing well. But Porter, to me, he's their best wing, like pretty comfortably. I would be less interested in holding Porter in a 12-team league than I am with Carter, but I still think he can have an impact this year. Yeah, Hampton's just a name to watch as a guy to stream in. And let's talk um, Mo Bumba. One, two, three, four, five. Now, Bumba has had challenges. I don't think he can be a 25-minute-a-night player in the NBA, but 11-5 and five with a steal and a block, that's absolutely worth at least streaming in 
on days that the Magic play for 12-team leagues. It's absolutely worth it. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter who plays, who logs big minutes. I think I just already said that. But I do, I do look, obviously, that's really good numbers. It's ridiculously and stupid high usage, 32%. And how he gets worked in with Carter and Birch is still a, a question. But it's encouraging production from him nonetheless. I don't know what's going to happen when Gary Harris returns. Does that mean that we just get bacon, less bacon, hopefully, um, or less Ennis? I don't know. Ross is pretty secure. I think Carter's going to be pretty secure. I think Akiki's pretty secure. Um, Porter, I'd just like to see them give him more. But again, he was a plus 12. Hampton was a plus 13. Carter was a plus 12, all coming off the bench and really got this victory in overtime against the Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans were down. Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. But it's still a good win for the Magic, who have been really strong uh, since that trade deadline. Let's talk about the Pelicans. Nikhil Alexander-Walker took every shot in the world, as you'd expect with everyone out. 31 points, 8 rebounds, 4 triples of steal and a block. Maintains must-roster status while these players are sidelined. Eric Bledsoe played 46 minutes. Chance he doesn't play tomorrow? I would say so. 14, 5, and 6, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 3 triples. That is vintage Eric Bledsoe. And while there are injuries, he does have 12-team league value, amazingly. And how about this bloke? James Johnson started in place of Zion. 17-3-2, two blocks and three threes. No matter when he plays or what he plays, or whatever minutes he gets, he produces. He is just that guy that, hey, James Johnson's getting 27 minutes a night. Holy shit, there is fantasy value in that, and he brought it for us. Josh Hart played 47 minutes, had 14 and 17 boards with five assists. He is a must-roster 12-teamer, while my man Kyra Lewis didn't shoot particularly well, but played 33 and had 9-5-4 and four with a triple one. I cannot stress enough that I think he will be a multiple top 70 season fantasy player in Dynasty. I could be wrong on that. I was wrong on Dennis Smith in the draft, clearly. I could be wrong on Kyra Lewis. I think he's shown enough, though. Steven Adams, he played 37 minutes, but what does that matter when you do nothing with it? Get that garbage out of here! 8 and 10 in those 37 minutes, while we got 20 minutes of nothing from Weza Wundu, which is basically Weza Wundu in, uh, in a nutshell. All right, let's go on to the last game that I'm going to cover today. That is a double overtime between the Hawks and the Spurs. The Hawks get it, 134-129 without John Collins. Clint Capella played 44 minutes, 28 and 17 with five blocks, and was a perfect 10 of 10 from the line. Excellent stuff. I think Capella's going to have some pretty good games without Johnny Collins. And Bogdan Bogdanovich, 45 minutes, 28, 5, and 5, one steal, two blocks, four triples. Now, he's going to fall off because he's shooting 71% from the field in this game. And the last couple of games, he's been on fire. But I know he's good. I know he's better than Dunn and Reddish and Herder and Hill and Snell, probably Hunter. Whether the coach believes that long-term, I don't know. But let's add Bogdanovich and let's hope that he can just maintain a stranglehold on these minutes because Kevin Herter played 16 minutes and went scoreless. I think that battle is over. This is what I thought would happen to Herter to begin this season, that he'd be playing like 15 minutes a night with all these guys and everyone got hurt and he had a huge run. He is a clear uh, droppable player, Kevin Herter, fan of pants. 44 minutes from Tony Snell. You'll be shocked to know that he had six points and four rebounds in that time. That is actually above Tony Snell type averages. So good on him for putting up a big game. While the Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari, 
Hands off my cock! 16 and 12 in 36 minutes. I think you got to add him in this uh, interim while Johnny Collins is out. And Solomon Hill started, and he did nothing as well. Shout out to Tony Snell. Three points in 25 minutes for Hill. Lou Williams made his Hawks re-debut. Seven points in 22 minutes with five assists. Shot 30%. Big usage from Lou. He's just going to do what he does, and that is you usually get to the line, dish some assists, score a little bit. But it's not a 12-teamer. It's not a 14-team leaguer. He's more of a 16-team league guy at this point. And now also, good to see Onyeka Okongwu do well. 10 points in 12 minutes. I'd like to see a little bit more from Okongwu. I still believe in him long-term as a guy that can be a, a multiple top 100, maybe top 70 fantasy player. We're obviously a long way from that at this point. Let's talk San Antonio Spurs. Maximum Derek. Um, Yeah. You know that I'm always whenever whenever Derek White has a bad game, I'm always going to cop it. Josh, why don't see what you see in him? Josh, he's so overrated. You overrate him so much. Derek White had 29 points with seven triples in 45 minutes. He had three assists, one steal, and two blocks, and shot 50% from the field. I could not have banged on more about Derek White saying. I think he can be a top 50 player, but I don't think it'll happen this season. He's dealing with so many things. He's coming back from. But I also said, look, he is shooting horribly. And that's absolutely, you can't deflect from that. That was happening. But I said, I also know that we've seen him play for four years or three years, and he's been a good shooter, and this will start to recover. And I also said, don't be surprised that there's a four-week period where he's a 50-plus percent shooter. I don't know if this is the beginning of it, but it sure looks pretty bloody good. So let's restate it again. Derek White is a must-roster player. Thank you. DeMar DeRozan, 36-5-9. Somehow still a minus six despite those big numbers. And huge, yeah, 57% true shooting, 80% from the line. And Rudy Gay was big as well. 31 minutes, 18, 6, and 4, two steals, two blocks. Gay can be a 12-team streamer, but he's more of a 14-team leaguer. DeJounte Murray, 16 and 9, which is all right. Pirtle played 44 minutes. It's super encouraging to have Pirtle play 44 minutes in a game uh, and not get foul trouble. 14 and 10, two steals and a block. Big night from him. Well, Keldon Johnson, guys, it's it's over. Get that garbage out of here! 5 and 7. 27 minutes, double overtime game. We loved him at the start. It was a great last pick, great flyer type scenario. It's done. Yeah, he's he's done. Move, move on. Yeah, clear drop. And Paddy Mills was terrible. Three points on 10% shooting. He's provided some interesting 12-team stream value. Millsy is a points and threes guy, but that obviously didn't happen here. Um, but yeah, really good stuff from a lot of these Spurs players. Unfortunately, yeah, Keldon and Paddy weren't one of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I don't know what more I've got to say about that game. And that will do it for looking at the games from Tuesday. Let's move across now and have a look at the top ads over the last 24 hours. Isaiah Roby's up 25%. Absolutely, he's an ad. Jaden McDaniel's up 21%. Absolutely, he's an ad. Hamadou Diallo up 21%. He is an ad. I'd prioritize him behind those other two guys because I think what he's doing in terms of shooting has real uh, real issues in terms of dropping off. Reggie Jackson up 15%. Please tell me that's just a stream today. I don't believe he's a long-term guy. Well, Bogdan Bogdanovich up 12%. Well, that bloody played off, paid off today. And he has clearly separated himself from those other guys, as he, as he has. It was never a problem to me in terms of talent for Bogdanovich. It was how the coach would recognize that talent and how he would split those minutes. But going your 40-plus for Bogdan and 16 for Herder is a pretty clear line in the sand um, that they are valuing Bogdan Bogdanovich a little bit more than they were earlier this season. In terms of drops, Jordan Poole down 12%, sure. Evan Fournier down 6%. Yeah, I think that's fine. Horton Tucker down 6 yes. DeAndre Jordan out of the rotation, down 6%. Get him out of here. And then Maxi Kleber down 6%. I think that is totally fine as well. In terms of a drop, 
Let's now move across and talk DFS for Friday's action. 10 games in the NBA. All right, so let's have a look here at Friday's action. The Warriors and the Raptors back-to-back for Golden State in this one. They're favored by three and a half, and the total is 228.5. For Toronto, Kyle Lowry remains out. Rocket Rodney Hood will be out, and there's a bunch of low-level bench guys who are out as well, although DeAndre Bembry should be returning. He's off the uh, health and safety protocols list. Houston and Boston. Robert Williams is no longer on the injury report. He missed last game with an illness, but Tristan Thompson, you'll be shocked to know, is out again due to health and safety protocols. And uh, for Houston, John Wall remains questionable with that knee. Dallas and the Knicks, the Mavs are five and a half point favorites. The total here is 213.5. Dallas pretty clean in terms of injuries, while the Knicks, Derek Rose is questionable. For them, we hope that uh, we hope that we're going to get to see him eventually uh, participate in uh, in games for a long stretch. Although it's, that seems unlikely to happen. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are seven-point favorites. The total is 232. No Justice Winslow for Memphis. No D'Angelo Russell for Minnesota. And then Charlotte, Indiana. The Pacers are four-point favorites. The total is 223. Malik Monk hurt his ankle at the end of the Hornets game against the Nets on Thursday. You'd have to think that his status is in doubt here. While for the Pacers, DeMontis Sabonis is questionable with that quad issue that he suffered in their last game. Uh, Atlanta and New Orleans, back-to-back for both of these teams. The Pelicans played without Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, and Brandon Ingram on Thursday. We don't know their status for Friday, while Atlanta will be without John Collins. They started Solomon Hill on Thursday, as you already heard, uh, whether he starts in this one or not. Trey Young did tweak his knee on Thursday. He was able to return to the game, but it is just something to watch with the back-to-back. Chicago and Utah, um, Zach Levine, Kobe White, both questionable for the Bulls. They had big minutes from Denzel Valentine, and they started this weird three-big lineup last game with those guys out. While the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, we assume he'll be ready to go, but we don't know that. He missed last game for personal reasons, while Joe Ingles has appeared on the injury report as probable. The Lakers and the Kings, Andre Drummond has been ruled out, along with Davis and LeBron. While for the Kings, you'll be shocked to know that Hassan Whiteside is questionable with his knee issue. The Thunder and the Suns, no Dort, no Baisley, no Gildas Alexander, no Ty Jerome, but Alexei Pokyshevsky is off the injury report, so he should be returning to the lineup. While for the Suns, um, pretty clean in terms of their injuries, apart from Abdul Nadir, who is out. They are 12.5 point favorites here, the Suns, and the total is 219.5. While the last game is the Bucks and the Blazers, uh, PJ Tucker is out for Milwaukee, but Bobby Portis has been upgraded to questionable. Jeff Teague has been signed, but he is questionable going through the health and safety protocols after joining his new team. While for Portland, Nasir Little is out, and Yusuf Nurkic, I imagine, will be on a minutes restriction again. Let's look at Fangio for some values. I love Rob Williams at 66. I like Wiseman. I like Morant a lot at 68. I like Svima Heyluk at 37. Van Vliet, Chris Paul, Paul Washington Jr., Moses Brown, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, OG Ananobi, Jaden McDaniels, Draymond Green, Malcolm Brogdon, Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert, Marcus Smart at 57, Isaiah Roby, Miles Turner, especially if Sabonis is out, and Steph at 9,000. They all look pretty good to me. Just a reminder of the schedule. Know what to watch for us for Saturday. Know what to watch for us for Sunday. There will be a Week 15 preview video coming out, but it's been recorded already. It just won't have your starts and sits because I didn't want to give that information two days in advance. And then the waiver wire show that normally comes out on a Sunday afternoon will be delayed because I'll be on a plane. Uh, at that time, and then I'll try and get that out later in that day. So a little bit of a slight disruption to your schedule. Guys, we are done here. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below, guys. We are done here. But before we're done, 
This episode was brought to you by Sport Trade. If you heard about Sport Trade, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It takes fantasy to the next level. It is allowing you to buy and sell shares of your favorite players, just like the stocks. When you're ready to buy shares, pick the penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Simply go to sporttrade.com and watch How It Works video and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sporttrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sporttrade.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.